0: It's been a while. Now, you'd think in, when I say that, you'd hear me sing that stained song. It's been a while. Uh, I just did it. I was just about to say, I won't sing that song because <laughs> I don't, I don't prefer that artist. I, if, you might prefer that artist, but I don't prefer them. Um, but when we hear that expression, it's been a while, that's the first phrase, which makes me think that maybe I need to write a song that uses that ex- same expression, um, but in a different melody so I can overtake the it's been a while. Um, market it's just like whenever somebody says it's been and you immediately think of the bare naked ladies going yeah, yes man um, hi everyone my friends my waterproof records friends it has been a while <laughs> indeed it's been a couple months and uh, we're gonna do another one of these shows i've missed you you've missed me but here we are reunited and it feels so good So today on Waterproof Records, we're going to talk about the Beastie Boys ill communication. Let's go. Now one thing you'll notice is in my theme song, in my pod theme song, in my podcast song that I have created, which I think I've mentioned on the show before. By the way, that's me. That's my guitar playing and programming and all that stuff because when I was putting the show together, I was like, I need to have an original piece of music for the show. Um, I strung three different audio clips in there. Um, to really harken back to the glory days in the 90s. And I sh- I chose three songs that had these audio pieces in them that always really stuck out to me. And obviously, uh, one of the most obvious ones is Smashing Pumpkins' Silver Fuck. He says, bang, bang, you're dead. That's from that song. And then I have in there Beck, uh, Loser, the part where the guy says, I'm a driver, I'm a winner. <laughs> Things are going to change. You can feel it. And so I put that in there. But then the third one. It comes from this very record, this very album that we're going to be talking about today, which is, uh, here's a dirty sentence coming your way, which is, if it's going to be that kind of party, and that's what I put in the intro, but the finish, finished line of that sentence is, if it's going to be that kind of party, I'm going to put my dick in the mashed potatoes. <laughs> and that, I remember the first time I heard that line in the Beastie Boys Ill Communication album that I Died laughing. And to this day, I can look at any of my close friends who are well versed in their Beastie Boys and say if it's gonna be that kind of party, and they know exactly what to finish the sentence with. So you're probably asking yourselves, you're like, why is he starting with ill communication? Because in the massive catalog of Beastie Boys albums, there's the breakout album of 1986 licensed to ill. Then there's some would probably consider Check Your Head to be their best album. And I might even agree with you in some regard because two of my favorite Beastie Boys albums of I'm not album songs of all time are on Check Your Head. Two of my absolute favorite songs are Pass the Mic and Gratitude. I love those songs. Anytime if somebody said like uh, make me a mixtape or whatever, and I was going to choose two Beastie Boys songs. I would be choosing Pass the Mic and Gratitude. Gratitude just, oh, that song just fills my veins with ice and fire. If you've ever seen the music video, they're like playing on an you know, icy mountainside. It's so great. Um, but I'm choosing Ill Communication, which is was released on May 31st, 1994. And I'm choosing this one. Because this might be the one that really um, smashed it all down, I think, for the world. Because there is the behemoth on here. Sabotage. Sabotage, baby. That really, I think, is the is the piece of music that, of course, you have fight for your right to party. Of course, you have um, what you want. And they had other hits that that led up to this. But this one, I really think, started to break down the boundaries of uh, what they were doing and making it just this mixed bowl of genre uh, crossing. You know, it was like rap, hip-hop, jazz, funk, punk. Uh, It's just a salad, just a musical salad. And Ill Communication is a perfect example of just how out there an album can be. Because I think if you look at Ill Communication, it's not an album that is really linked together. It feels haphazard. It feels... All over the place. It's, it's one song jumps to the next, and you're like, Where are we? And that's kind of one of the great things about it. Um, that is very symbolic of the 90s, of this kind of we can do whatever we want. I, it, I, I get to be a real free thinker, I get to try new things. And so I chose to do ill communication because I think that this one really made a mark on me. It made a mark on the world. It was 94, and for where I was in my life, I remember buying the album, and then it was after this that I went back and got Check Your Head, and I I actually had owned License to Ill. That was the first cassette tape I think I ever owned. It was given to me, um, I think it was given to me and my brother when we were pretty young. I was like in second grade, and he was in fourth grade, and it somehow was one of those tapes that passed my parents by without them figuring out that there was probably not appropriate content on that album <laughs> because fight for your right to party right was uh, you know at first listen or if you were kind of casually listening to it it just sounded like this rocking party song fight for your right to party and i think that maybe when we, when my brother and i were young my parents weren't paying as much attention you know there's that line where he says your mom yeah i mean he says uh your, your best porno mag you know if they were paying attention to that line they might have been like what are you listening to but um so we had that tape but this is a this is a huge jump from license to ill. If you weren't aware, the Beastie Boys kind of had a complete soul searching redefining moment after License to Ill and really began to change who they w- were as men. And it was really wonderful to see. Um this is a perfect example of people that kind of looked at what they were doing and were like I don't want to do that. I don't want to be that anymore. You know, here's a group of uh, you know three Jewish boys from New York that grew up together, started a hardcore punk band um, back in the day. It, originally, it was Adam Yauk, Adam Yauch, who is MCA, um, who unfortunately passed away in 2012, in May of 2012, of cancer at only 47 years old. It was heartbreaking. I remember when I found out he had passed on. Um, it was it was just too way too soon. Forty seven? Are you kidding me? I am only a couple years away from that number, and it just blows my mind to think of somebody um as talented and as amazing and as bright as Adam Yauch, uh, MCA, leaving this world that soon. But Adam Yauch, MCA. Then we have Adam Horowitz, who is Ad Rock, and then we have Michael Diamond, who is Mike D. Those are who we think of as the Beastie Boys. But back in the early days. Um, they had some other members and, uh, one of them is went on to do a lot of other stuff like bands, like luscious Jackson. Um, and her name was, I, I'm of course here I am on, on the, on the spot and I'm like Kate Schellenbach, Bach, Kate Schellenbach was the original drummer. And then John Barry was one of the founding members. And he's actually the guy who came up with the name beastie boys. Um, there it's really unclear as to how it came about. I think maybe beastie was just a fun, kind of way that they were describing themselves at the time. By the way, my phone is blowing up while I'm trying to record this show. And I'm like, leave me alone. Don't you guys know I'm trying to do a podcast? Um, But uh, but Kate Schellenbach was in the band and John Barry, not the film composer, but another John Barry. And John Barry also passed away in 2016. He was one of the original founding members of the band. He was um, the one who named them Beastie Boys, and it's funny because some of you might be thinking or might have heard that Beastie stands for Boys Entering Anarchistic States Towards Inner Excellence, because in a couple interviews along the way, the Beastie Boys would answer that that's what it meant, but truth be told, that was just a funny um, acronym that they created after they were the Beastie Boys, so they never created the name of the band when they were teenagers in New York um, with that, that thought out boys entering anarchistic States toward inner excellence. That's kind of so funny to me Um, anyway. So that's, that's how they came to be. Um, And, but as they got their success with license to ill and that was Rick Rubin, Def jam records with Russell Simmons. It was really fratty. You know, I, I had fun with it because I was a kid. I was a little kid, but it was, it was really juvenile and, kind of, you know, obviously there's a little tones of misogynism in there, which they said themselves, you know what I mean? It was just kind of the sign of the times. Um, they left that whole process and really kind of redefined who they were. They leave Def Jam Records. Um, there's this incredible documentary that I watched about them. I think it's just called Beastie Boys Story, and Spike Jones directed it, who we'll get back to in a moment. But it's great because it's it's uh, the surviving members. It's Adam Horowitz and Michael Diamond, and they're on stage. This was only in 2020. They're on a stage in front of a theater, and they're just kind of telling stories and showing video clips and walking through their journey, and you really get to see their transformation as to the men that they became, um, and it's wonderful, and I I, I, uh, I, teared up so much when they get to covering the the passing of, of Adam Yelk. It really was hard to see them, these guys that were brothers. Um, missing their friend, you know, but it's an incredible documentary. It shows how they leave Jeff Jam records. They get signed with Capitol. They're doing this label now called Grand Royal. And when I hear the name Grand Royal, I remember my CD case. And I remember having the two Grand Royal covers for check your head and ill communication in my CD sleeve. One was green. One was kind of uh, maroon and, uh, I, I can still see it in my mind. Um, They made an album after License to Ill called Paul's Boutique, and that came out in 1989. That's considered to be kind of a a sampling masterpiece, like one of the first rap records to really use sampling in a way that that, uh, redefined the genre. But it was a commercial failure. It was absolutely tanked. It did not sell well. Um, it was a disaster for those guys and it was, you know, the first record that they launched on their new label. It was very disappointing, but later on, years later, it would become kind of a defining album and and kind of a, um, a critical hit, you know, years down the road. And now everybody who looks back, but that's a completely different era of the Beastie Boys flash forward to check your head. Now we're getting into this experimentation, this live instrument playing, um, were, and then and then I, in a lot of ways you can say ill communication is the s- chapter two of check your head. I think I think that those these albums are really companion pieces, and I think if you were to go online and you were to Google Beastie Boys check your head or ill communication, it would be kind of a versus like which is better. And like I said earlier, my two favorite songs are on check your head, which which uh, what you want. Uh, so what you what you want is uh, one of the singles. Off of that album and that I remember seeing that on MTV. I remember seeing that music video. Those guys were so uh, they uh, everything they did was so DIY looking, you know, they 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 made famous this fisheye lens at the ground level kind of uh, leaning over it with all their faces, you know, that fisheye bowl view I remember seeing their faces and like everything they did it was um it was really along that era of skater videos jackass videos it just kind of had that diy vibe to it um but, th- but what you want is the uh so what you want is the single for check your head that's taking the world by storm in some ways in 92 but again 94 ill communication um everything about this record it's pretty massive there's a lot of tracks on it and I remember you kind of had to have stamina to get through this album because it was long. You know, there was like you open up on Sure Shot and then immediately you have a, an, a hardcore punk song, Tough Guy. So right out of the gate, they let you know, hey, you're not going to know where we're going on this. We're going to go all over the place. <laughs> so it was – and then and then the amount of uh, instrument instrumentals and songs on this album, it's very long. Um, but, you know, you might be asking yourself, you're like – you haven't heard me talk a lot about hip hop or rap at all. And I think that that has to do with where I grew up and the, you know, the location I grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which was a predominantly white neighborhood and school, especially in the eighties and nineties. Um, it's not that we didn't have people of color. We did, but it was few and far between, but that's not why my exposure to R and B rap and hip hop was limited. Um, I was I, I was talking to my son the other day um and we were FaceTiming with my parents and they were asking about like cliques and social groups in his school, like, well, do you hang out with this group of kids? You know, like the, the, the do you have this click and do you have this click? And and he was saying that doesn't really exist anymore and from his perspective. It may be where your kids live, but he was saying, We don't have that anymore. And we had this interesting conversation about how when we grew up we had the goths the jocks the nerds the the skaters the hip-hop guys you know all these different groups and so we did kind of form our own communities and there were the cliques and social circles and so when i was growing up i obviously uh, as i've talked about on the show before i was a little awkward in tulsa oklahoma in the 90s because i was so expressive and theatrical and outgoing And a lot of the kids in my school, I went to an almost 4,000-kid high school, and a lot of the kids in my school that listened to rap were mm, into athletics and popular or aggressive and macho. Um, This was pre-the new metal macho era. This was like, you know, the early to mid-'90s. So it was always tough for me to feel like I could access – rap and R&B in that era because it was always associated with some of the the young guys that were the meanest to me at the time. They were cruel. And so I kind of lumped them in with, you know, when you you'd see these kids in your school listening to Snoop Dogg and Dre and uh, all that style of music, I was like, well, that's what the assholes listens to, listen to, you know? And now that I'm older, I appreciate it so much more, but it, it put a bad taste in my mouth And I couldn't quite feel comfortable listening to it. Whereas alternative grunge metal, I felt very embraced by those communities. I felt like if you didn't fit in um, with the quote unquote popular kids or whatever you want to call that group of people, you could lean on the, the skaters, the heavy metal heads like smoking cigarettes by the train tracks. That was a real thing. This sounds straight out of a Netflix um, like show, <laughs> but it was real. In my high school, we had just a little bit past the parking lot. We had train tracks, and I remember going across the train tracks and smoking cigarettes, um, with s- kids in flannels and Doc Martins, and that was totally a part of my life. That was a thing that I did, and those are the people who were like, "We don't care who you are. You know, we're we're cool with however you are." So that's why I always really held on towards alternative and grunge and and metal and was pushed away but Beastie Boys for me were the bridge they were a bridge and as I've gotten older I appreciate so much more I I I can absolutely enjoy Snoop and Dre and uh and 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 um Jeez, you, see, I'm not that well-versed in it. But I, I've had friends over the years make rap and hip-hop CDs for me, like burn CDs. I had a buddy in my uh, early 30s who made me a mix, and it was called The Re-Education of Jacob. And it was just full of all these amazing uh, rap songs that I had never been exposed to before. And just recently I had another friend make me this incredible Spotify playlist that was just chock-full of like brilliant, talented lyricists and hip-hop and stuff I had never experienced before, Alicious and um, what was any other ones that were amazing? Tribe Called Quest and uh, Arrested Development and uh, Diggable, D- Diggable Planets. Is that what it is? So, again, you're hearing me express my, my lack of knowledge, but I was listening to a lot of these artists and I was going, wow, this is incredible. But as a teenager, the one bridge that I had into hip-hop and R&B were the Beastie Boys. For some reason, it felt like because they were touching on punk and hardcore and you could hear the live instrumentation, the live distorted guitars in there, um, it felt like I could get my head around it. I felt like I, I could be like them. I felt more like them um you know they had a diy quality i remember uh reading an article that you'll hear a lot of distortion in their microphones on the um on these records and like check your head and and uh, ill communication and somebody was like in the interviewer they're like oh i see you added a lot of distortion and they're like no we bought toy mics (laughs) i always thought that was so great they didn't add distortion they bought cheap like $10 little kid microphones and plugged them in and so the distortion was from like a like a toy my first sony microphone that was so beastie boys right like just doing this diy kind of rough around the edges type thing and uh and that's that's what this album feels obviously i haven't been doing the podcast for a couple months now so i know i feel like i'm kind of all over the place in terms of what i'm talking about um so let's Dig in a little bit of uh, of the record. I do have some notes here that I wanted to cover, but um, this album was produced with the Beastie Boys and Mario Caldado Jr., which they collaborated with all the way from Paul's Boutique and I think through Hello Nasty um, in the late '90s. And if you ever hear in the song where they say Mario, that's the Mario they're talking about. They're talking about their producer saying, and that's a record, that's a record, it's a Mario. You know, they're always talking about him in their songs. So they, he was kind of the key ingredient to getting these albums off. Mario Caldado Jr., he was a Brazilian producer. He is a Brazilian producer who worked with um, Beastie Boys, Jack Johnson. And also, I thought this was interesting. He worked with artists like Bjork, Beck, and Blur. So clearly, he had a thing for artists with bees, maybe because he was from Brazil. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, mentioned John Barry, who passed away. He was in the original lineup and, and died, unfortunately, from a frontal lobe dementia in 2016. And then Kate Schellenbach, original drummer of the Beastie Boys. They had a little bit of a, you know, when they were doing their Friday license to ill thing, um, they fired her from the band because she didn't quite match that, like, you know, hey, we're the rappers and all that stuff. But they did end up uh, bridging that uh, that disconnect and and coming back together. And I think they even helped sign Luscious Jackson, who Kate Schellenbach was a part of, to the label. So they they worked out that uh, the disagreements there. This was a fact I came across that I couldn't believe, and I, I hope I'm the first person to tell it to you. Um, I may even make a TikTok about this because I, I I did not know this fact. One of the fun facts that I learned in my research on this record was the Beastie Boys are cited as being one of the first people to call it a mullet. Can you believe that? (laughs) Unbelievable. That is backed up um, in the Oxford Dictionary as being one of the first people to put it in print because during this era, they had their own magazine. Um, I think it was called Grand Royal, and they had a magazine that they were putting out there, and they had an article about that specific hairstyle that was getting more and more, you know, the first cinematic real pointed out moment they were talking about was like Kiefer Sutherland in The uh, in Lost Boys, and that look, that mullet looked, and they would call them a mullet head or a mullet, and so if you didn't know that, one of the first people to ever say mullet in print were the Beastie Boys. Now, this next fact that I I saw along the way, I knew this one because I heard it somewhere along the ways and I got it a little bit more clear. If you're familiar with the band, the Sneaker Pimps, Sneaker Pimps, great trip hop band. They got their name um, from an article in the magazine, in the Beastie Boys magazine, Grand Royal. I think it's Grand Royal magazine. Um, They got their name because there was an article about a guy that would get rare sneakers for the Beastie Boys and they called him... A sneaker pimp. And so that's where that name comes from. Now I told that story over years that it was the members of the band, the sneaker pimps themselves, that got the sneakers. So I, I didn't have that fact rack right, right until recently. Um, but that was cool. Mullet and sneaker pimps. There you go. But I, uh, let's get into sabotage. Um, cause that's probably one of the most iconic videos to come from the Beastie boys ever all time. You could say fight for your right to party is a big deal, but Sabotage, uh, we all remember that video. Um, There were a couple of videos that were released off of Ill Communication. Uh, Sure Shot was done, and it was that same thing, which was that fisheye camera on the ground. They're wearing tuxedos. There's various shots of them jumping in and out of frame. That was like a classic Beastie Boys look. Um, But here we come to Sabotage, which is directed by Spike Jones. Spike Jones was like really making waves for himself as a, as a music video director in the 90s. I remember getting excited when I would see at the bottom of the MTV screen that the directed video was by Spike Jones. I was like, this is going to be great. He's always going to just throw something our way that we didn't expect. The Buddy Holly video, Sabotage video. He did that one. Um, I think he did Weapon of Choice with Christopher Walken. I mean, he just or, or, the, or Praise You. Oh my gosh, with the people uh, doing the the jazzercise outside of the movie theater. I mean, it's just anyway. Um so creative. But this video was this handheld cop, you know, kind of a tip of the hat to cop TV shows like Starsky and Hutch and um the, the Beastie Boys are all wearing fake mustaches and aviator glasses, and they're wearing these thrift store clothing. People cite this video as the reason why thrift store clothes uh, really had a upsurge in popularity um, in the 90s, and I think they're right. And if you have followed my career outside of TikTok, if you know me well enough, you'll know that my friends and I made a web series called Good Cops. And whether we intended to or not, we absolutely were tipping our hat to Sabotage when we made good cops, we were wearing fake mustaches. We were wearing the aviator glasses and we were going for this over the top drama, um, comedy drama, if you will. Um, but, uh, you know, this video, I remember seeing it and the thing about Sabotage is think about what kind of style of music that is. It's almost hard to describe because you're like, it's the Beastie Boys. They're rapping. But it's over, like, a distorted bass riff, and it's kind of punk, you know? It's got these snare hits and this bass riff, and you're like, this is kind of a a punk, rock, hip-hop hybrid. It's a really interesting, different piece of music that just – just completely exploded your television when you heard it for the first time, you know, and you're seeing these guys and they're doing this hilarious parody of this cop TV show. They even have them playing an actor playing a character in the video. I don't know if you remember this, but that was my favorite part is that each Beastie Boy is playing as if they're an actor. And then the actor is playing a character on the show. And I wrote him down because I was like, no way I'm gonna remember these off the top of my head. So first off, Ad Rock is playing Vic Kolfari as Bobby the Rookie. (laughs) So he's so we've already got Ad Rock. He's got his, you know, the long hair with the mustache, and he's playing Vic Kolfari as Bobby the Rookie. Then we get over to Nathan Wind. This is the actor that MCA is playing as Cochise. <laughs> I love Cochise. It's so good. And really no surprise that um, MCA decided to call himself Nathan. Because if you follow the Beastie Boys, he was always dressing up in lederhosen um, with this fake beard, this red beard and and hair in hosen, And he would pretend to be Nathaniel Hornblower which was supposedly this filmmaker uh, friend or cousin of the band that was, you know, they would shoot a video and it would say directed by Nathaniel Hornblower. And there was that famous moment on the MTV movie awards where um, I think it was Michael Stipe was accepting an award during the movie awards and Nathaniel Hornblower comes up and he's like, you know, saying it's a great tragedy that the beastie boys didn't win for sabotage, but that was just MCA and his Nathaniel Hornblower. But, 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 but I digress. i get back to the cast of characters. We have Nathan wind as Cochise, which was MCA. And then also in the video, Nathan, uh, uh, Nathan, uh, no, no, Nathan wind as Cochise. And then MCA also played Sir Stuart Wallace as himself, which was great. I loved that as well. Like as if we're all supposed to go, Oh, of course, Sir Stuart Wallace, that famous knight. Um, And then finally, we had Mike D coming in strong as Alessandro Alegre as The Chief. Those are great. And then the best gag of all was they would put Fred Kelly as Bunny. And that was that one last dude who, and that right there was DJ Hurricane, by the way, who they were working with on all these these albums. I think they worked with DJ Hurricane on this, um, Check Your Head. And I think he was done before Hello Nasty. I think so. Anyway, that was DJ Hurricane. It said Fred Kelly as Bunny. That always made me laugh so hard. Um, So here's a fun fact about the video shoot. Two rented cameras were accidentally broken during the production of Sabotage. One was placed in a Ziploc bag for an underwater shot, a bag which leaked. Another fell out of a van window. The budget ended up being three times what it's supposed to be almost entirely due to these accidents. Well, 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 if you've ever worked in production... You know how things can go awry it sounds like this video came at uh, a little bit of cost but what a cost uh, that made it worth it right because it's an epic video but um that was that was sabotage if you've never seen the video please go on youtube look it up um it's really funny they're kicking down doors they're they're arresting people they're running it's that it's that hilarious um Reno 911, you know, silly comedy, uh, cop stuff that we did in our show. Good cops. you have never seen good cops either. You should look that up as well. Um, but a couple other cool things to say about the album, uh, that quote that I said at the beginning, the, uh, if it's going to be that kind of party, um, I finally found out what that was from. That was from a, uh, actor, comedian, Manton Moreland. Um, he was really popular in 1930s and forties movies Um, And he recorded a comedy record in 1965 called that ain't my finger. And that was from a bit in that comedy record where he said, you know, it's going to be that kind of party. The bit was, if you want to know the context of it, it's a joke that he's telling where a girl um, is studying English. She's studying English and she lives in Paris. She's a French girl and she sees the word fuck. And she asks the teacher what the word means. And the teacher says it means to serve and so it's kind of one of those jokes that leads up to where this french girl goes to a party and in america she's there and she says she's about to about to serve the chicken and this girl says she's gonna go to the kitchen and and fuck the chicken and then the guy turns around and he says it's gonna be that kind of part i'm putting my dick in the mashed potatoes <laughs> so anyway it made me laugh but it's in it's in uh it's in uh The Freak Freak song. What's it called? B-Boys. B-Boys making with the Freak Freak. That's where you'll hear that audio clip if you were curious. Um, Root Down, another great hit song in the album. Sabotage, like we talked about. Get It Together. Get It Together that features Q-Tip. Tribe Called Quest Q-Tip is on that song. Um, I remember when I was a kid hearing this one and I thought, oh, these lyrics are dirty. They were talking about, you know, jism and and you know, John Holmes and all sorts of stuff, but it was, uh, it was Q-tip and the story behind this is that they met Q-tip and I think they were playing basketball with him or something. And that's how they got to be friends with him. And then he heard the beat, forget it together. And he freestyled a rap over the beat and they recorded it. And that is exactly what you're hearing. Just cut around like the, the way they cut it. And they wrote their raps around his rap in Get It Together. So that's why it's kind of a nonsensical song that doesn't really make that much sense. Because he just kind of freestyled a couple lyrics and, and lines on it. And they kept it exactly as is. And then wrote a bunch of songs around it. So that's a that's a classic on the album. Um, then you have a lot of interesting things. Because during this time, Adam Yauch um, famously uh, became a Buddhist and this is where his transformation is really taking off. If you didn't know, Adam Yauch got so active that he created the Free Tibet concerts, which became like the biggest uh, concert fundraising event since Live Aid in the in the eighties. It's a really big deal. He got to know the Dalai Lama. You know, helped uh, with the the um, the causes of Tibet, raised a ton of money. And this is right around the time that he's starting to. Learn more and get deeper and deeper into into that um, that spiritual awakening, and he includes it on this album. One is on the song "The Update." That's a song about environmentalism. I mean, some of the lyrics in there are about how we need to take care of planet Earth. This is 1994. You know, we that's a common conversation that we have now in 2022. Well, not enough, but I know that most of us are talking about how we need to take care of the planet. But in 1994, Adam Yock was writing a song, uh, writing lyrics about, you know, how we need to take care of, uh, of, of the earth. So that's pretty amazing. Right. And then you get to, there's another one in here, uh, Buddhist Sattva vow. That's another thing that related to his Buddhist, um, belief system. So he was really throwing in some cool things in there but this album I mean let's see how many tracks there are in here does it it doesn't one two three four five six seven eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 13 14 15 16 17 18 19 20 20 songs yeah it's about an hour long and you've got things from upright bass bongos jazz freestyle they got a song on here called the flute loop um, which is just this you know jam over a flute they were just doing stuff that you were like, wow, you can put this all on a record? Heart Attack Man, another hardcore song. Um, but one of the last things that I'll say before we get out of here on this album is the cover, the cover of the record, which I'd always looked at it. looks like this kind of nerdy dude at a, at a drive-in. Um, that was a famous Bruce Davidson picture. Uh, Bruce Davidson is a very well-known black-and-white photographer, photographer who had taken pictures of um, – you know, various neighborhoods. Uh, I I think he was mostly known for photographing communities and neighborhoods that would feel hostile to outsiders. That was one of the things he was known for. Um, But this was from a collection of photos that he had taken at a drive-in, and this one particular photo um, he had never published. And so when it became something, I don't know exactly how the Beastie Boys got a hold of it or if it was something that was suggested, but he just basically asked for... um, well, what music is this gonna be for? And they showed him the Beastie Boys album that it was gonna be for, and he was like, I didn't understand any of that, but yeah, you can use the photo, <laughs> which I thought it was funny. He was like, I don't know what this is, but yeah, by all means, make that be the cover. Um, this is uh, this is quite an album. Um, and I I do say again that is it my favorite Beastie Boys album of all time? No, not necessarily. Uh, it is one of the best. I'm going to say that probably uh, Check Your Head might be my favorite one of all time. Um, But I had to start here. I had to start at Ill Communication, 94. I think in 92 when Check Your Head was coming out, I was still working my way through a lot of the grunge and the harder music. And I was still getting a lot of that angst out of my system. I had to find a way to not take myself so seriously again. That's one of the great things about the Beastie Boys. I just mentioned Buddhism and activism and learning from misogyny and becoming better people. But there's one thing that was very clear. They had fun. They didn't take themselves too seriously. They were always joking. I think that people would meet them sometimes in interviews and struggle to get a straight answer out of them because they were so you know joking and sarcastic and deadpan and they would play characters i remember you know hearing from djs and mtv vjs they would say they're just difficult but it wasn't until the person who would understand that no that's just their sense of humor and they uh they're very funny dudes um they they i remember thinking they were funny when i was a kid just this kind of really silly um, good times, uh, you know, being able to make dick jokes while uh, making a message on their album, you know what I mean? Like trying to change the world, but also, you know, being kind of a, a, a goofy person at the same time. That's really kind of what I am. <laughs> I feel really similar to that. I feel like I'm trying to change the world, but I'm trying to do it by being goofy and fun and silly, you know, trying to inst- inspire people. Um, so anyway, that is the Beastie Boys ill communication. Um, what a career they had sad to lose Adam Yauch, but Horowitz and, um, and diamond are still, I think still getting involved in things. And I think they still have their hands and a few things here and there. And I highly recommend the Beastie Boys story, that documentary. It's, it's, it's excellent. Um, you'll be moved to tears. At least I was, I cried everything though, guys. Um, thank you. That's it. You learned today that the Beastie Boys coined the phrase, the mullet. Uh, Let's, uh, oh, did I, I forgot to read my Believe thing. So we're going to close out right now while I read that. Today's episode is recorded at Believe Limited in Silver Lake, California. Believe specializes in entertainment that affects change and is responsible for various forms of content, including feature films, documentaries, and podcasts, much like this one. You can check out their work at believeltd.com. Believe Limited, we do special things. Make sure you're telling your friends about the show. I know you're going to say to me, hey, Jacob, how am I going to tell friends about a show when you disappear for two months? But I'm telling you, I'm going to be back and there's going to be more episodes and they're going to rock your face off. So tell your friends, go on, give me some reviews, go on iTunes and say five stars, best show I've ever heard in my life. This guy's a genius. Or give me one star, whatever you want to (laughs) do. But uh, tell everybody, spread the word, share the clips. When I post them on TikTok, you know. Um, let people know about it because I can't keep doing this show if nobody's listening to it so uh, thanks for all the support you guys always give me I'm thankful for you I'm happy to be back um go check out some beastie boys we'll see you next time on waterproof records with Jacob Givens. Think you're gonna change kind Water.